great to see you. Welcome to Faith Community Church. I almost said something else there, but... Uh, <laughs> but welcome this morning. We're so glad that you are here. And, and we just trust that God is going to be very evident. You're going to sense his presence. Because he is definitely among us. And wants to touch every one of our lives. There's no exceptions. God loves you and he's going to... Uh, He's going to do a good thing this morning. I got a message this morning. This is a strong message. And so, you, you know, I tell people that in advance so that when you sit down, you can kind of buckle up, you know, your seatbelt and get it on. We don't want you to fly out of here or something. But uh, anyway, we welcome you. There's probably a card in front of you. It's called our connection card. And if you're a guest with us today, we'd like you to use that and and then at the end of the service go back to our take it back to the uh, information desk We're, we've got a gift for you and, and everything and and for all of anybody you can use that card to share a prayer request too because we pray over them and along about monday or tuesday we mail those to our elders and they start praying for them so we want you to do that so i want to read the word of god while you're standing this morning and I'm going to be reading from Psalm 92. From Psalm 92, the Bible says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound, for you, O Lord, have made me glad through your work, and I will triumph in the works of your hands. I'm gonna drop down a few verses which says, those who are planted, planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and, and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Good word for us today. So let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you. First of all, we thank you for the house of the Lord. And we're glad to be able to come into the house of the Lord. We've been looking forward to this. Because, Father, as we gather together in the name of Jesus, we recognize the strength of God. We recognize that faith is coming alive and faith is being strengthened. And faith reaches out in powerful ways and God, you want to touch our lives also in powerful ways. So Father, today, we prepare our hearts right now. We're going to prepare our hearts to worship. We're going to prepare our hearts to re respond to the word of God that will be spoken this morning. And so Father, this is going to be a day of richness. It'll be a day of the blessing of God that flows all across this congregation. Father, let the saints of God praise the Lord and worship him and love on him. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'd love to have you turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12. And I'll start reading at verse 14. The Bible says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. And right here, the next phrase is going to be the real heart and soul of my message this morning. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many have become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. I think I could probably preach for about a month on that, those passages. There's a lot in them. I want to talk to you this morning about anger and bitterness. I'm talking to you because for this, one of these, one of the things is, I don't see anger and I I don't see it. It may be here. I don't see it. So it's a good time to preach on it. It's it's a good time. It's good. It's a bad time to preach on it when half the church is angry and the other half is bitter. That's a terrible time. Actually, it's good, but it's terrible. I came across a, a little statement here. It says, when I have an argument with my wife, she doesn't get hysterical. She gets historical. You know, I had to think about that one for just a moment. Yeah, I think you're right. People today still have murder and anger in their heart. Take, for example, this classified ad. Wedding dress for sale, never worn. We'll trade for a 45 caliber pistol. That's anger. That's anger. The reason I chose this, uh, this title, Kicked Off Your Feet, zookeeper Jack uh, Badell was fielding a few questions to a small group of curious people as they watched a giraffe standing before them giving birth. The zookeeper was asked, when is she going to lay down? Because that's about a seven or eight foot drop. And the uh, zookeeper said she is not going to lay down. It wasn't too long before a calf came forth and landed hard on its back. The infant giraffe lay there for a, a little bit, and then something quite shocking happened. The mother kicks her baby and booted it hard enough to send a sprawling sort of head over hoofs. Naturally, there were a lot of questions as to why she would do that, and the answer is she wanted her baby to get up. After a few feeble tries, the baby giraffe tries to stand and then tumbles down again, and then boom, mama kicks him again. The baby giraffe goes rolling here for a ways. The baby tries to get it up and tries to prop itself, its spindly little stilt-like legs, and manages to stand up. And then it happened again. The baby is standing up now, and Mama kicks it again. Jack quickly responded, the reason she did that, she wants her baby to remember how to get up. I should have put a caveat in here before I got this far. Uh, parents, don't try this with your own children. This is... This, we're talking giraffe here, not human beings. So don't, don't, don't anyone do that. Don't, you know, walk and say, I heard that in church that we were supposed to do that. So I, you know, 
I don't think the judges, judges wouldn't want to talk to me, that's for sure. Because she said in the wild, if it is not able to follow the herd, predators will easily pick it off. I think I have something in common here. And maybe you do too. I'm guessing you do. I've been kicked off my feet. Probably you have too. I've been kicked off my feet when I was down. And maybe you have too. I've been kicked off by my feet by people who I thought loved me. But they kicked me anyway. And maybe that's the case for you too. I think there's something in common with those words, those three points on the screen, and, and with what I'm about to share here with you this morning. Every one of us here have had our moments when we're just, you know, trying to live our lives, trying to do our plan, trying to keep our head above water and all this, and, and then suddenly we get sideswiped by some circumstance in our life or by someone in our life. It's happened. It's happened to all of us. How we respond in those moments is going to reveal the truth about what we believe in God and it will profoundly affect our inner person and the world around us. Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to turn there uh, for just a moment or so. Genesis chapter 37 is the story of... Uh, of Joseph and his father, Jacob. Genesis 37. I want to read just a little piece of that as we go. And I begin reading in verse 3. Now Israel, and that's, uh, that's Jacob. Jacob is Israel. Loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to their brothers, and he hated, was hated even more. <clears throat> so they said to them, Please hear this dream which I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf rose and also rose, stood upright, and indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Okay, you see where this is going? Verse 8, and his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams <coughs> and for his words. I'll stop right there. Joseph is going to have another dream, and he shares it with his brothers. And they were really, they were really fired up <coughs> and hated him in a great way. Joseph's life is, I think, a good, and life is good, and his future looks great. But he is just about ready to get kicked off his feet. <coughs> the ones who are doing the kicking are the members of his own family, and somehow, <coughs> yeah, Joseph avoids the very thing that was in consuming his brother's lives. Joseph faced the trauma 
in the hatred of his brothers. His dreams were hijacked here in this situation, and he did it without becoming bitter. This is an amazing story of Joseph. It's a success story. He never got bitter on this thing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 states it this way. Let all bitterness, all bitterness <clears throat> and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Did you notice that? All bitterness heads the list because bitterness will always lead to other things. Bitterness comes from the heart, and it's not right with God. Bitterness is something that is entirely incompatible with Christian character, and Paul is saying, put it away. Put it away. That, that is active on our part. <clears throat> we, can't, we can't honestly go before God and say, God, take away the bitterness in my life. <clears throat> Paul is saying here, he said, you put it away. We need to consciously put bitterness aside, set it aside, step away from it, and go on with God. Bitterness will contaminate things in your life on the inside and on the outside. The thing that causes you to be bitter is going to pollute your present. It's going to pollute your future. That's what bitterness does. Bitterness will contaminate your judgment and it will definitely affect your relationship with God. Biblically, bitterness is anger that has simmered so long in your life that you have become bitter. You know, we a good little example on this thing, every once in a while, <clears throat> we'll make a pot of coffee in there. And Pastor Russ and I both drink coffee and and it goes on, and we're busy through the day, and we'll drink some more coffee, and, and there'll maybe be about that much left, and you know what? We forget to turn the thing off. Have you ever done that? You forgot to turn it off? <clears throat> and almost immediately, when you walk in the church, the next morning, you go, uh-oh. And you know, the coffee's all gone, but the, the burner's still on, and then you pull that pot off, and you look at it, and it's all black. <clears throat> and you... You know, I run it under some water. Well, I wait for a little bit because I don't want to break it. You run it under some water, guess what? Didn't do a thing. You're going to have to put something in there, and eventually you're going to have to put your hand in there and scrub around on that and get it out. That's bitterness. Bitterness is anger that has, that has grown and that has contaminated and has become literally glued into your life. And it pollutes your thinking. It, it, it's a part of everything that you think about is bitterness. This unforgiving spirit lets anger take a hold of you. And it is anger that is rehearsed. We've got it down pat. It's like a play actor. We know our lines. We know who did this to us. We know what circumstance it was. And we can rehearse it. We can say it. We can do everything to the letter. And all the while, it takes over your life. You're a person who feels entitled to hate somebody. They did this to me, and so therefore, I don't like them. I hate them because they did this to me, and I'm entitled to that hatred and to my anger. 
Okay, belts are tight. Snug them up just a little bit right now. Secretly, you'd like to see them ruined. I want to return to Joseph just for a second. Jacob loved Joseph more than the other sons, and this created a level of anger. And right or wrong, you can talk about that one. You can say, well, Joseph really set, or Jacob really set this thing off. And maybe so. But the point is Joseph. Joseph. Joseph also did something else. And he exercised his fatherly privilege to appoint Joseph as an heir. It was his right to do that. Normally the oldest son becomes the heir. But in this case, it was his right to say, Joseph, you're going to be the heir. And because of that, I'm going to give you this wonderful coat. This beautiful coat. And Joseph runs out and says, hey, guess what, guys? I'm the heir. Prove it. This is my coat. <laughs> ah, sibling rivalry. Joseph had a dream of the sheaves of grain and his sheaf. The Joseph's rose higher. The others bowed down. The brothers grew angry. I'm not going to go into this story, but I can tell you this. These brothers, there was something else. Dad, dad, old daddy sent Joseph out and he said, I need you to talk to your brothers. And they were quite a distance away from the from the family home, a long ways away. His brothers saw him coming. He said, okay, let's get this dreamer. Let's take care of this dreamer right now. And, of course, the consensus was, let's kill him. And one of the brothers interceded. It was Reuben. He said, no, nah, let's just throw him in this hole over here, this old well that's dried up. Let's just toss him in there. And so they did. They tossed him in there. Just, I mean, they just picked him up and tossed him inside the well. And then about that time, there was a band of, of traders that was a caravan coming through that area on their way to Egypt. Hey, let's sell him to this caravan as a slave. Let's get some money out of this deal. And so they did. Joseph is sold off. He's bought by a guy named Potiphar, who Joseph is put in charge. Potiphar has a bad news wife, full of lust. And she blamed Joseph for something that he never even done, never did. Joseph's put in jail. He meets a baker. And who's the other guy he meets? Help me. A cupbearer. Thank you. I'm, I'm winging it right now. Can you tell? And, uh, you know, help me get out of here. Oh, yeah, we'll remember you when we get out of here. They got out. They didn't remember old Joseph. He's sitting in jail. Remember, he is not bitter. Finally, Joseph gets out because he's able to interpret a dream. He interprets the dream of Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, listen, I really like you, Joseph. I'm going to make you the number two man. You're the prime minister of Egypt now. And the story goes on. Joseph never was bitter. And when he faced his brothers in a famine, it would have been the perfect time to allow that bitterness to be displayed in acts of revenge. And the Bible says, Joseph wept because he saw his brothers. These are the characters that got it all started. And he helped his brothers. And he helped his family. All of these things. I believe God is ultimately in control of every circumstance that comes into our lives. 
when I get angry at a situation or a person in reality, I'm becoming angry with God and what he has allowed and what he didn't allow. Think about that one for a minute. Write that down. Think it through. You know, about four years ago, I was elected as, I'm going to get a little transparent with you here, if I may. I was elected as a uh, presbyter for our ministry network, one of seven. And that was not necessarily well liked because I was pastoring an independent church. And there were a few people that did not like that. Why should you be on this board? Anyway, I brushed that off. I didn't care. I was there. Anyway, an election came up about two years later. You, get, you have to go to be elected every two years. And uh, there was a little politicking that went on. And I lost the election. And I was frustrated at that. I'm going to admit it. And I was borderline angry. I don't want to preach this to myself. And one of them said, you're just not one of us. And Joan and I walked to the car. This is in February. And we walked to the car, and I got in the car, and I said, I'm, I, am, I am teed off. And I was teed off all the way back to Humboldt. Because I did not respect the person. And I had to guard my spirit. This bugged me for about two or three days, and I finally had. I think God began to speak to me and say, hey, bud. This thing is going to become bitterness. Knock it off. And I said, you know, Lord, this is behind me. I don't know what's in front of me, but this is behind me. I got kicked. But God is the one that picks us up. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. It's what it is. It's what it is. I am thankful for what I have. I am grateful to be this pastor here. I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled. I'm grateful for a new church. I'm excited. I've sat on plenty of boards in my life. To be honest with you, I'm just fine. I'm just fine. Okay. Maybe that's part of the confession that's good for the soul. I don't know. But I know this, that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it says these important words, that in all things, God is working for good. And you know what? I have to accept that. Whether I feel the results were correct or whatever, I need to accept that fact that in all things, God is working for good. And I believe he is. I believe that with all of my heart. Bitterness is saying, God, you did not handle this situation right. Bitterness is saying, 
since you didn't handle it right, I have to take over. And that always leads to a disastrous result. Let me give you five things. Uh, no, th three things here. I've only got ten minutes. I, there's no way I can get five in. First of all, let me share this with you. Bitterness will devastate you spiritually. <clears throat> there's three reasons I say that. First of all, bitterness necessitates that you will be walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. If you are sowing to the flesh, it is going to eat you up on the inside. Literally eat you up. In Psalm 32, David says, and this is interesting, Psalm 32 was written after David repented of his sin with Bathsheba, which was at least a year later. And this is what David wrote in Psalm 32. He says, my bones wasted away through my groaning every day, and your hand was heavy upon me. This is David who said, you know, David, David was upset. David had sinned. And the Bible says the hand of God was heavy upon him. And when I say heavy upon not in a good way. It was heavy upon him in a bad way. Weighted him down. He says, my bones were wasting away. In other words, I was being eaten up on the inside because of my bitterness, my anger, and all of these things, and my sin. Until David got it straight. Until he got it right with God. Some people stay away from church because they come under conviction as soon as they walk through those doors. Or some may come to church, but it's dry and it's pointless to them. Bitterness sucks the spirit and the life out of people. It just drains you. And there's nothing left inside of you to respond to God until there's forgiveness. Number two, as a Christian, I make a choice every day, and that choice is to step in the flesh or in the spirit. And there are only two choices in this deal. There's not a middle ground. There's not some way part way or anything like that. Number three, we cannot... Con <clears throat> control what happens in our life, but we can control how we respond and how we react. I can control that. Number four, it's impossible to be wrong with a spirit, uh, to, to be wrong with a person and to be right with God. In other words, if I say, Jason, I am upset at you, I'm angry at you, I'm mad at you, I'm bitter at you, you have done me wrong and done all of these things, and you've hurt me, <clears throat> I can't be right with God and wrong with him. It doesn't work. You can try to force the issue, but it doesn't work. We need to make sure our accounts are all settled. We need to make sure that the, the board is clear. If we want to continue with a solid, strong relationship with God, I've got to clear it up with other people. That's why Paul said at communion time, he said, look, if you've got something going with your brother that's not right, straighten it out before you come to the communion table and receive from God. That's why Paul reiterated that. Number five, you stop growing in grace and it halts any spiritual growth when you harbor bitterness. Number two, bitterness will harm and destroy you physically. Now listen to me, bitterness is a lifestyle. It enters into your subconscious and, and, and it's constantly running. 
in your subconscious constantly. It never stops. It, while you're eating, while you're sleeping, while you're watching TV, talking to people, there's something running in the background of your head, and that's that bitterness. And it just, it just constantly runs. The second thing is, medical doctors will tell you this, it will affect your body physically. And, it's, and, it's, and, and they, they prove this, in fact. And it's likened to high blood pressure, cardiac disorders, ulcers, and more. Bitterness creates these things in us. It affects us physically. Number three, bitterness will harm you emotionally. It's going to harm you emotionally. We've got all these things happening in our life. There are many people that become negative, they become critical, they become judgmental, and all of these things, and there's really, literally nothing good to be said of bitterness. I think we have to face the facts we're all human. We're all subject to these things. We're subject to anger. I am. I have to guard my heart. I've got to guard it. Sometimes people just say things and, you know, Maybe they didn't mean to do anything, but they did. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to bring it before God and say, God, I, I, I'm not going to allow this to dwell in me. It's not going to stay in me. I'm not going to allow it to attach to my life, to my mind, my spirit, nothing. I want a free place to God. I've said this before, and sometimes I say it in a joking manner and a lighthearted manner, but you know what? My three words that can change your life. Let it go. Let's say that together. Let it go. That will help you. That will help you. Reminds me of a story here, and I think i got enough time to tell it real quick. Reminds me of the Quaker. And, and Mark, you're going to appreciate this story. Reminds me of the Quaker who had an ornery cow. You ever have an ornery cow, Mike? An ornery cow, Mark. <laughs> you got one, huh? Probably every day. Well, every time he milked his cow, it was sort of a clash of two wills. This particular morning, she was very irritable. He was determined to endure the session without a cross word. As the farmer began to milk the cow, the cow stepped on his foot, full weight. He got his foot out from under that leg. He groaned a little bit under his breath and, and then sat back down on the stool. She swished her tail and smacked him right in the face. It's like a whip. He merely leaned away and said, you can't reach me now. Next, she kicked over the bucket. About half of the milk spilled out, and he started over, mumbling a few words just to himself, though. He never lost his cool. And once he finished with the ordeal, he breathed a sigh of relief, picked up the bucket and the stool, and was about ready to leave, and the old cow hauled off, kicked him, said he slammed him into the wall. That was a kick pretty hard about 10 feet away, and that did it. He stood to his feet, he marched to the front of the cow, looked her in the eye, 
he shook his long bony finger at her face and said, listen, thou dost know I am a Quaker. Thou dost know that I cannot strike thee back, but I can sell you to some Lutherans. <laughs> that last part, you can change whoever wears, you know. You know, folks, let me tell you something. I was once a sinner, and I didn't deserve anything. I was a rebel against God. I didn't have a need for God. I wasn't interested in God. But you know something? God pursued me. I didn't know it, but he was on my trail. He was hunting me down. He sought me out. And one night, he forgave me. He forgave me of every sin, every bad thought, every deed that I have done. He literally renewed my mind as he renewed my heart. He put a new spirit in me. He put his life in me. I didn't deserve any of that. But he gave it to me. And folks, I have learned that there are bigger things to focus on and I don't want to go against God just because someone or something collided with me. I constantly want to remember how much he forgave in my life. Donnelly, would you come back, please? It has been well said that when I get hurt, I will either get bitter or I'll get better. I didn't say that, but I'm, somebody else did. And I want to say this to you, church. I choose better. I don't want bitter. I'm not interested in it. You may be saying, well, Pastor, you don't realize what that guy did to me. You don't realize what my wife said. You don't realize what these people did. You don't realize... How much that hurts. You know what? You're right. I don't realize that. I don't know that. And I don't understand how it, that collision in your life, what it did. But I do know this. That my God who forgave me of all of my sin and erased that entire mess out of my life because he took it to Calvary. He died there for me. And I say to you today, let bitterness be erased from your life. Let Calvary speak into your heart. Let the blood of Christ be poured into your life and bring a cleansing like you've never felt. I'm not going to ask as we pray for hands to be raised because, you know, you never know. Maybe the whole church would raise their hand. This is between you and God. It's something you need to settle. And you need to settle it today. Don't wait till tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday or Sunday. As we pray <clears throat> here in a moment, settle it. 
get it behind you. If you need to talk to somebody, talk to them. If they say something and they, they, you know they're not even going to care, that's fine. Say it anyway. Say it anyway. Now it's their responsibility, but you clean it off your slate. You clean it out of your life and let God help you. I use two words in this message a couple times. I use the words pollute and I use the words contamination. You don't want that in your life at all. You don't. It will kill you spiritually and maybe even physically. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today a strong word from your word. But this word speaks into our life. It speaks into our heart. Father, we, uh, we have a desire right now, while it's fresh on our mind, to take a moment and say, Lord, forgive me. I've picked up a root of bitterness. I have an anger situation that, that if I don't do something about it, it will be bitterness. So, Father, today, by the help of your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, I set that bitterness away from me and I will never touch it again. Cleanse me today. You know my heart. You know it. And I don't want to hold grudges I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be bitter. Whatever has happened, has happened. And I invoke your word that in all things, God is working for good. I trust you. I trust you. Father, I pray that this message has helped. I pray that new bridges have been built let the old one collapse and a new one we walk on today because of your amazing grace. Thank you for saving us and loving us. Father, I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know what? I feel good about the word. I hope you do too. I really do. I want you to stand now, would you? Again, thank you for being here. <clears throat> Folks, I, I'd like to ask you, pray for LifeGate, would you? Some new baby Christians out there. And we want to try our best to be a nurturer and to be a help and everything. Pray for people in our church, too. We have uh, a list in the church bulletin, people with needs. Pray for them. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands for the blessing of God. Father, may the Lord bless and keep your people. May the Lord cause his face to literally shine into our lives. Father, we lift up holy hands today, holy hands. Hands that aren't stained with bitterness, hands that do not hold on to anger. But we go forth from this sanctuary. We walk forth in freedom, new freedom. Freedom to really serve you and love you and know you. I thank you, Father, for what you do in our lives, for your amazing grace. I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.
God bless you. Have a great week.